Yo, this hot, this the spot, there it is, pod.com. We're interviewing the best comedians, so tune in quick and get your ears receiving them. We're talking about life and life to stream right to you from the microphone right to your home, dude. Side note, this might get embarrassing, but no, don't sweat, yo, because there it is. Welcome to the There It Is Podcast, a comedy podcast for creators of any variety. I'm your host, Jason Farr. Let's do this. Thanks so much for being here, especially if this is your first time listening. Thanks for finding us. We really appreciate it. Since this is your first time, you don't know much about me or what this podcast is all about. So let me tell you, I am Jason. I moved here to New York City a year ago to pursue comedy and acting and just learn as much as I can about the entertainment industry. But before, when I was living in South Carolina, I did not have that sort of New York City access. So I said, why don't I start a podcast where I can talk to these people who are successfully pursuing acting and comedy so I could pick their brains and figure out how they're doing it and then adopt some of those characteristics of success. So that's what I did. And I've had a lot of great improvisers and stand-ups and actors and musicians have been on, and they have all been great. And today's guest is no different. She is awesome. She performs at Magnet Theater and at UCB, and she's a copywriter as well, so there's a lot to learn from her. We have a really great chat. She's super fun. She's super funny. Let's get right to it. Here's my chat with Chrissy Grubel. I have one very random question right off the bat here. Why do you wish you looked better in hats? Oh, interesting. You that on your, <laughs> on your I website. I admire women who wear hats. <laughs> Um, I think they look very cool or mm -hmm. very chic or very sporty based on mm -hmm. what hat you pick. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. And they just, I have a little peanut head and they don't look good on me. So that's. Huh. I would imagine there's got to be a hat out there for you. I know. And to, uh, to be fair, I have not done that much research in that direction. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I was wondering, like, are you talking baseball caps? Are you talking, like, fancy hats? Like, the big floppy hats that people oh, wear on Instagram? It's all the hats. All the hats. Okay. All the hats. Well, fair yeah. enough. You've worn a lot of hats, figuratively. Yes. You like that segue? Nice segue. I like it. <laughs> um, but you've, you've done copywriting, comedy in various forms. Um, you've done it a ton. Uh, I mean, yeah. it's we're just scratching the surface with that. <laughs> But let's uh, go back a little bit. Uh, where did you get your start in the world? Uh, well, first, what came first for you? Uh, was it copywriting or writing? Or, or comedy, uh, I should say. Copywriting came first because that's just what I ended up getting a job doing after mm -hmm. I graduated from college. Okay. Where did you go to college? Uh, University of Scranton. Okay. So you're mm -hmm. from, are you from this area? I'm from Long Island. Long so. Island. Okay. And so you got copywriting. It was like, you know, like I am a mass communications major. So first thing out of college was in media, you know, like yeah. that's, um, <laughs> that's the easy thing to do. Yeah. I mean, essentially I was a communication major and I was a theater major. Oh, cool. Um, so I was kind of like doing that post-college floating kind of thing where I had various internships and I was just trying to figure out what. I wanted to do, mm -hmm. um, I was living in the Philadelphia area at the time and I got a job writing for QVC.com, mm -hmm. which is 
of television's <laughs> television's QVC. <laughs> uh, and it just kind of, I kind of just fell into it that way. And it turned into something now that I do as a career and for money and as a good job that kind of is very compatible with mm-hmm. a performing career, a writing career, et cetera. Yeah. I have, uh, applied for many a copywriter job. Uh-huh. Uh, since moving here, I, even today, I've applied for several copywriting positions. Okay. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> do you have any advice for someone who's in comedy, but they want to have that stable job mm-hmm. and how they can land something like copywriting? Um, it's interesting because I think we're in a moment right now where brands are looking for people who have a comedic point of view. Mm-hmm. And can bring that into their work. Um, I think the same things kind of go for copywriting that you could say for comedy. It's like know your voice, know mm-hmm. what you're bringing to the table, um, and try to find a brand that is compatible with you in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, unless you've been doing it for you know 15. I think after a certain amount of time, you get more agile and you're able to. Um, kind of jump on the moving train a brand that's already been established you can kind of jump on board mm-hmm. and adapt and yeah. to your style yes for sure yeah yeah that makes a lot of sense mm-hmm. uh, and you have done a, a bunch of that work because you've you've worked uh, you mentioned on your website for brands like macy's and procter and gamble and everything mm-hmm. uh that you mentioned on there people mm-hmm. can read it on your website uh, yep. but um <laughs> We, uh, but I'm wondering, were you working for a company or is this freelance work that you're doing? Um, I had a, I've had a series of full-time copywriting jobs Mm -hmm. up until about five years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, I was also freelance copywriting while I was working full-time as a copywriter. Mm, Okay. Um, which is a lot of work. (laughs) There's a lot of writing. Um, a lot of writing, but, um, I have, you know, I think it's, it was worth it to kind of expand my portfolio. I'd been doing a lot of work in e-commerce and retail, Mm -hmm. um, and being able to kind of expand outside of those areas of business was a smart thing for me to do just because I knew I wanted to eventually become a freelance copywriter, which is what I am now, Mm -hmm. um, and have been for the past four or five years at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was kind of just a matter of trying to diversify my portfolio good deal so if someone is uh maybe they haven't done a bunch of freelance copywriting Mm -hmm. what should their next step be so that they can generate enough work i mean they may not be able to get the freelance copywriting jobs because of a lack of work Mm -hmm. but um how can they position themselves better to start getting work i would say probably when if you're starting out as a copywriter and you don't have a ton of clips to show um, I think set your sights a little bit lower in terms of what you will do or what brands you will work with. Um, I say write anything for anyone who will let you. And I don't love saying that because I think I'm not a huge fan of the gig economy and how creative professionals are undervalued and underpaid. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think when you're starting out, there's just an there's a certain amount of time where that is kind of a thing that you need to set aside for a while mm-hmm. in an effort to position yourself to be in a better spot later. Okay. If that makes sense. Uh, so you mean 
maybe don't try to go full in on it. Try to uh, take some baby steps so that yes. later you can mm -hmm. have a little bit more of a solid ground. I would say, yeah. I mean, unless mm -hmm. if you could get hired as a copywriter without like very many clips or without a wealth of material kind of supporting you, then the the challenge for you then is to just say, okay, I need X, Y, and Z at least mm -hmm. um, to apply, to, just to apply and be part of the conversation right? Um, with an HR person. Um, I think entry-level copywriting jobs, um, you don't need a, to have written for Coca-Cola to get them. I think it's just right. a matter of having a, just a small sample, a representation of how you write. Okay. Uh, but I haven't really been that side of it in such a long time. Um, so there may be a professional listening to this who's like, mm, that's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that's very logical that's just advice. That's my experience, yeah. Yeah. No, and it, and it makes sense. So mm -hmm. I, I, And there are always going to be more ways to go about it. Um, of course. So the more ways that we can mention out there, the more it can help somebody try new things and maybe mm -hmm. land something. Yeah, I think the most important thing is to just write. Mm-hmm. Just write um, in any any writing job. Copywriting isn't writing per se, mm -hmm. but it is thinking creatively about something and being able to put it into words that are relatable for an audience. And that's kind of creative work across genres. Mm -hmm. And um, and um, you've you've utilized your copywriting in comedy because you've written for the Reductress mm -hmm. and. Um, how did that come about for you? I I guess as part of or adjacent to my copywriting, um, I had been doing a lot of blogging for the Barnes & Noble book site mm -hmm. um, a couple of years ago. Uh, and they kind of really like uh, more funny posts, more casual conversational pieces. Um, so I had been really enjoying writing for them. And I noticed Reductress was starting to get noticed was starting to have a lot of women that I really respected and, and, and thought were smart and funny were writing for them. So I reached out to a friend of mine who recently had an article published on reductress.com and I asked her how to pitch. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was kind of it. I have okay. her in for them for a little bit, but, um, you know, the, the, I like a handful of pieces up on the site that I really enjoy, but the site itself is just so impressive and so excellent in every yeah. way. Oh, gosh. So wonderful. And it's, every woman who writes for it is smart and cool and fun and funny. Mm -hmm. And just, it's a really wonderful collection and reminder that we're surrounded by so many amazing women. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And you're one of those smart, cool, wonderful, funny oh, women. Thank and, you. <laughs> um, I've seen you perform a number of times. And uh, you do a lot of performing in the city because you're on a couple of different teams at the Magnet yeah. Theater. Mm -hmm. um, I perform with Metal Boy every Wednesday night. Mm -hmm. um, I perform with the Friday night show. And what's the distinction between those two for people who don't know? Okay. Uh, Metal Boy is uh, part of Megawatt, which is our house team ensembles that perform on Wednesdays. So they have been put together themselves uh, by the theater. Mm -hmm. um, and my team was put together th about three and a half years ago now. So we've been at it for a while. Super fun team, Metal Boy. Uh, thank you. Uh, we, we got very lucky. Um, and I really, all the shows are so fun. Yeah, they're, they're, 
the fun the funnest kind of improv shows because they're just wild. You all go wild <laughs> in your shows, but there is this like you lay the groundwork for whatever wildness happens. So it it's just enjoyable and not random. You know what I mean? Like I, I want to just draw a distinction between going to Crazy Town for the sake of going to Crazy Town and what you all do. Like you all are are earning this sort of crazy stuff that you're doing on stage. <laughs> but some of it's like just the personalities of the performers. Yeah, for sure. Um, this just happened to be a group of eight people who were put together and who ended up just really having comedic voices that align mm -hmm. really, really well. We all think each other's work is extremely funny. So it's a, it's a joy to be able to create stuff with them. Yeah. And I guess Friday night show is mm -hmm. a very long running show at the theater. It's on Friday nights at eight 30. So it's a little bit more of a weekend kind of feel. Mm -hmm. It's an hour long show. And, um, I was asked to join that cast kind of about three and a half years ago. Um, oh, cool. pretty quick, uh, pretty, I ended up doing a couple shows at the magnet pretty quickly. Um, and that's uh, a show where we invite the audience to put secrets or confessions into a bucket um, <laughs> and use those to inspire our improv. I think the show's been running maybe six years at this point. Yeah. And it's super fun and great. Um, the cast is. There are a couple metal boys who will play on Friday Night Show as well, which is great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, that is one of the fun things about the weekend shows, that one and the Armando Diaz experience, because there are some people who hop on that are on other teams, but mm -hmm. they'll hop on 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 shows, and that's there's always like a fun atmosphere when that happens. Mm -hmm. I think all really yeah. solid players playing with each other, um, mm -hmm. good times had by all. You, good times by yeah, all. Yeah, <laughs> you also perform at UCB. Uh, I was just there and saw you on uh, the wall uh, for one of the oh. team photos, and yeah. I thought, oh, she's here too. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which which team was that there? Um, I am a writer on a house sketch team on Mod Night called mm -hmm. Presley, mm -hmm. and my indie improv team, The Mannequin Room, mm -hmm. hosts a show every Sunday night there, and we also do improv shows there as well. Awesome. Yeah. And The Mannequin Room, is there a particular form that you all are, are doing? Uh, what's unique about that? Um, I would say, no, we don't do a, a form. Um, okay. Oh, yeah, you're hosting a show, and then you perform on the show. We host a show, and then um, we we do an improv show when when we get one. So mm -hmm. we have one on March 30th. Um, it's just an hour-long improv show. We're a team. We've been together for about eight years. Wow. Um, as an indie team. Mm -hmm. And um, we're, I think, really big... Um, we celebrate the indie community mm -hmm. um, and make a point to um, support the indie community. Uh, the, the show we host is Indie Cage Match, which is three indie teams take the stage and do a show and mm -hmm. we vote and the audience votes on the winner. Um, but we're really just all about making the indie scene as warm and welcoming as possible for younger improvisers. Oh, very cool. Yeah, that's very cool because uh, I am uh, about to be part of an indie team. We're all oh, great. Uh, some, yeah, some friends from uh, the last couple of classes, 
and uh, and I are all starting this team, and, and my girlfriend's on it, who you didn't get a chance to meet, but um, she's the girlfriend of the show, so uh, some listeners know her, but um, we are... Great, like, what's her name? Her name's Justina. Cool. Yeah, and um, it's we're so excited about it. That's Indie teams are super fun because, uh, obviously, getting on a house team is fun, as you know, because mm-hmm. it's... a an achievement, you know, it, it's uh, getting a, a badge of honor from the theater that you've been at. But uh, an indie team is fun and completely fun and exciting in a completely different way in that you just met some people and you just fell in love with them and you had really great chemistry and enjoyed playing with each other. And so you just decide to do this fun, exciting thing. And it's mm-hmm. it's always just an opportunity to hang out with your pals and just completely let loose and goof off. And uh, I could not suggest doing something like that more. <laughs> uh, but think, it's Yeah, I think for, for younger improvisers or people who have been kind of taking classes for a while and maybe mm-hmm. haven't quite gotten to the point where they're either eligible to audition or maybe have not broken through that ceiling yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's an, it's an important distinction to continually remind yourself that improv is really, really about finding the people that you do the best work with, finding the people that make you feel the best on stage with, mm-hmm. um, and sticking with them. I think mm-hmm. we put a lot of, um, we prize, being put on house teams a lot. And of course I did too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think if you ask people who had been on, who have been on house teams for a while at any theater, mm-hmm. um, I think probably most of them will tell you that the most important thing is to find the people that you want to do, want to work with and work with them as opposed yeah. to waiting for an institution to put you somewhere. Oh, um, right, yeah. I think it's, if you want to have a career in comedy, you have to make your own opportunities regardless right. of of whether or not you're being acknowledged by any of the big theaters in the city. Yeah. Um, and the sooner I think you can kind of get on that train and hustle in that way, it feels like the less importance you'll place on being put on a house team, which is probably better for for you as like a whole in like a holistic way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a really good point, uh, especially the point that it's a, in a holistic way because um, people do get super bummed and feel like they're failures and they have no chance of ever doing anything in the comedy world because they didn't get on a house team. But um, it is, and it is a bummer, and it is hard to ooh, take. Oh yeah, to continue to audition. I mean, I've, mm-hmm. I've absolutely been there, so I understand that feeling. Um, and it also feels hollow to to have people be like. Fine, work with work, don't want what you want and do this other thing instead <laughs> but you're not the only one giving this advice i mean i had your metal boy colleague suli on a few episodes ago and he said the same thing you know like yeah. not to put so much weight into getting on a house team because there are other things that you can do and um when i i got to ask seth myers a question during um, a, a taping of his show, and he said, "Yeah, find people. Like, get to a, one of these improv theaters and find people, and work together." You know, like I think even Jordan Klepper said gave the same advice to me yeah. when I asked. I mean, that's the thing that I'm consistently hearing from everybody is create your own work, but you got to find people to create that work, it's and so- that's 
you know, that is uh, really what it is all about. Like, mm-hmm. if if it's if improv is a hobby, then getting on a, a house team might be all you care to do, and that's fine too. Absolutely. But if you want to consistently work, um, then creating your opportunities and consistently working is going to be, at the very least, really good practice. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, and but it's awesome that you're giving these indie teams an opportunity to uh, get up on stage, get some some really solid stage time uh, mm-hmm. in front of some really solid people. Yeah, it's hosting that show is is really special um, to us specifically because you know we've been there, we know how it feels. Um, you know, we've done the hustle, we've done the triple crown shows, we've mm-hmm. done, you know, we've done everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes it feels like you're stuck in a machine where you're just kind of churning and churning away and you're, um, not quote unquote getting to the point where you can perform at UCB, you know, on the UCB stage or, or the mm-hmm. magnet stage or the pit stage or what have you. Um, so this is, I, I, I are, we go into it as a group trying to create the most, the warmest possible audience where we celebrate everyone and we celebrate everyone's Mm -hmm. shows. And it's not about trying to impress anyone. It's about putting a team on stage and letting them have a really great time together for 15 minutes. Um, and the competition part is, is what it is. Um, but it's more important to me that teams leave and feel like we were set up for success. Um, and we felt supported, mm-hmm. you know, because that's yeah. really the point of it is. Yeah, my old theater, there's a, a competition show. And the thing that anyone who put it together or hosted it would say, and I hosted it and I would say this too, is the competition part doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like we're here to have fun. We're yeah. here to put on a good show. Mm-hmm. Um, whoever wins is just whoever ends up like at the end. <laughs> You know, like it just sure. really doesn't matter. <laughs> well, we made it fully audience vote. I think older iterations mm-hmm. of the show, the hosts kind of had more of a stake in it, but we're mm-hmm. purely based in the audience. It's just like whatever happens. If you bring all your friends, then you'll probably do well. Yeah. Um, and yeah. really, that's kind of what it is. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you're you're to a certain degree, it's it's a healthy thing because if the audience is saying, yeah, we want this person on stage more, mm-hmm. um, then you can say, Oh, well I'll get them next time. Or you can say like, yeah, I did make these, you know, I had a couple of weird scenes cause I made this mistake. And now you're just like reflecting and, and refining. And that's a good thing to reflect yeah. and refine as long as you're not lashing yourself or beating yourself up because you didn't win an improv show competition i mean it's just set up we've set up an environment where it's really just a matter of like you can have the best show and maybe not win yeah it's it's who's bringing who it's what the audience looks like that that day and and in the end i'm trying to we're trying to take the pressure off the competition part exactly exactly and people should take the competition like people who engage in the in these competitions themselves should should also try to uh, uh, lighten the mood a little bit in regards to that. Um, we're, all, we're all just doing our best. <laughs> right, right. Now, I didn't ask this uh, earlier. When did you start doing comedy? I know that you in 
college were a performer, which mm-hmm. shows on stage because you're a really good stage performer. Oh, but, thank you. Um, oh, well, you're welcome. <laughs> but, um, but when did comedy become a thing for you? Um, comedy, uh, I kind of picked up a little bit later on in my life. Um, when I moved, I moved to New York city at the end of 2009 and I moved to New York city in the, in, in 2009 and then started my first improv 101 class at like the end of 2009. Um, so I haven't been at it for, I guess it's nine years at this point, but I felt like I picked it up a little bit later than everyone else. I feel the same way because I didn't start doing stand-up until I was 30. And I started uh, I started doing um, improv like almost five years ago, four and a half years ago. So I get that too. But mm-hmm. nine years is a good chunk of time. I know. It was, I, as I said it out loud, I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> That's a pretty long time. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Where did you start out? Um, my first improv class was at UCB. Okay. <clears throat> and um, I, this is what I'm really interested in um, because you're navigating working at two different theaters in the city and uh, beloved cities, uh, beloved theaters in the city and the nation. <laughs> and that's, I imagine gotta be cool but also maybe a little hectic or something you know like it's it's ucb and magnet you're working you're on a couple of different teams you're writing for a sketch team like how are you uh navigating that and is it possibly just because it didn't all come at once (laughs) that's probably the answer right uh yeah it didn't all come at once um it was kind of a a slow build or a longer journey um Writing on a mod team Mm -hmm. is actually the most recent thing. I got added in November. Mm -hmm. Um, But I've also been very involved in the Magnet Sketch program as well. Um, And I direct a team there for Magnet Sketch Night. Um, And yeah, it's very hectic. Mm. Um, I think it's... Time management is like a huge thing. Um, in my life, um, mm-hmm. just being able to make sure that I'm, I mean, if you're going to commit to a lot of things, you have to make sure that you are giving all of those things an equal amount of respect because you're working with other people mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and you want to make sure that you're respecting everyone's time and you're not, and you're able to be relied on as a teammate. Um, so yeah, it's definitely hectic. It's, it's really, it's been really cool and rewarding in a lot of different ways. Um, yeah, I bet. Stressful, but, (laughs) (laughs) but really good. And stressful because it's, I mean, it's, if you're writing on a a mod team at UCB, that's kind of big time. Um, so I, I imagine there's stress involved in that, even though it's, I'm sure fulfilling in a lot of ways, but then what some people don't realize is how much time is going into it outside of the performances. Yeah. I mean, particularly for writers and sketch situations and it's on mod night, it's on magnet sketch night, it's on boogie manja. Mm -hmm. Um, writers, writers are spending a lot of time putting the shows together. Yeah. Um, writing, committing to, to writing any kind of 
work is, is a lot of time that you need to decide on your own that you have to sit down at your computer and do it. Right. And I think that that's sometimes a hard switch from improv where you don't do it until you show up. Yeah. Um, you yeah. know, whether it's practice or a show, it's like you don't have to do anything until you arrive. Um, mm-hmm. With sketch, um, as a writer, you're you're spending time on your own writing sketches, revising sketches, taking mm-hmm. notes, you know, et cetera. Yeah. Um, if you're an actor, you're taking time on your own to learn your lines and mm-hmm. you know, you're blocking, and it's it's a lot of <laughs> self motivation that's required to do it. For sure. <laughs> and also a lot of time management. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, so much. <laughs> <laughs> Which yeah. I imagine, um, I mean, when it comes to the world of comedy, uh, and I can say this because I do stand-up and mm-hmm. have been around a lot of stand-ups, but the laziest are stand-ups. <laughs> Not that stand-ups don't work hard. There's certainly some that work hard, but um, they don't want to even do as much as improvisers do and then improvisers aren't doing as much as people who are doing writing and performing in sketch just because of all the things that you mentioned there and that just has to take a lot of time management to uh, get it right and there's some comedians who just don't want that skill (laughs) yeah I I think in general I can't really speak to that specifically because I don't do stand up Mm -hmm. um but I feel like just in general, if you actually want to do comedy, you should probably find – you should be working hard at comedy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean it kind of is the same as any discipline. If you want to be a good doctor, you have to work hard at being a doctor. <laughs> right. You know, you have to yeah. work hard at learning medicine. Um, yeah, there are no free rides really. Um, I mean even if – even if uh, you're dig- digging ditches for a living, if you want to make a good living, you got to work hard and dig a lot of ditches and take a lot of gigs and jobs. I should, you know, doing it like nothing is going to be easy. I think the thing that's probably um, that I find sometimes hard about the comedy grind mm-hmm. is that there really is no guarantee that anything will ever come of it. And I use that lo- loosely depending on what your goals are. Right. Um. Like I would never want to be famous. Mm. Um, it sounds like a. It seems like a nightmare. Yeah, um, and not like anyone's affording me that opportunity, but just in general. <laughs> um, you know, I think some people are like, I really want to be a famous actor, or I really mm. um, want to be a showrunner, or whatever mm-hmm. your goal is. Um, you can work really hard and be really good mm-hmm. and not get the thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's something that you have to make peace with and i think it kind of circles back to the idea of like are you enjoying the work that you're doing are you enjoying the grind because you have to enjoy the grind because there may be nothing else yeah yeah that's a really good point um i have never read um that david foster wallace book uh infinite jest but Mm -hmm. it touches on some of this to my understanding about just You know, becoming famous and thinking that's like, you know, okay, I've made it and it's either not fulfilling or there's still just so much more to do. Yeah. You know, it's just not what you expected. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's, I mean, that's what I heard was a subject matter of what the book is sort of addressing. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And uh, and it's true, you know. I mean, I've heard so many stories about people who are working at SNL and The Daily Show on air, and they were still kind of like, yeah, I just don't know uh, what I should do or what I'm doing. You know, it's that mm-hmm. those are they're working in Mecca, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know. Um, I mean, to us, yeah, for comedy, for sure. right? Mm-hmm. The Mecca of yeah. comedy. And um, if if you're there and you're feeling that way, then maybe it's just that thing of not really addressing what being fulfilled is. Yeah. And it may also be, I I think about this a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, It may also be that like part of being an artist in whatever way, a writer or a performer or a comedian, um, part of that is just feeling never satisfied. Mm -hmm. And that continues to spur you to create more. Yeah. Um, That might just be the condition. I don't really know. I, Mm -hmm. The idea of never being satisfied is something that I find equal parts kind of a bummer, but also, but also like, well, that, that, that might mean your best, your better work is right around the corner, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I have heard musicians say that when they're asked what their best song that they've ever written was, they will answer, I haven't written it yet because they want to assume that their best work is still ahead of them and that Mm -hmm. they're, you know, cause then they're still refining and growing as artists. Yeah. Which I think is a great, commendable attitude to have. Um, a lot of it is sort of managing expectations. I mean, mm-hmm. I was just talking to last week's guest about about things along these lines, about why people are, why you're hearing so many comics and people talk about mindfulness and, and meditation, because you have to get your head right. You have to sort of, and get your heart right and how you perceive things and uh we've seen so many sad stories of people who went into the entertainment industry and uh spiraled out and bad things happened to them because they they got famous or they got what they thought they wanted and it wasn't quite what they wanted what they thought it would be or um you know fame also just happens it's not something that you can really point to and then make it happen sometimes you're just making work and then it blew up and you didn't expect mm-hmm. that, you know, you didn't expect, oh, sure. you know, and we've how seen big it happened to peers, I think over the course yeah. of the last X amount of years, like you see it happen every so often. And mm-hmm. it's like that person got this shot and because they've been grinding, they were ready for the shot. It's like, mm-hmm. it's about waiting for something and it's about being ready for it when it comes. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I say that because that's what I've been told by other people who I respect. <laughs> <laughs> and it's something that I've noticed in some ways. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's entirely true. I was um I mentioned this in a previous episode when I had my friend uh, Jim Hendrix on. He's a bassist for mm-hmm. a band and I know his story about moving to Nashville and meeting some people and playing for him and I said oh, that's great and he said oh it's luck and it's like well buddy you're also really skilled because you worked hard at it. Mm-hmm. And when you were in front of people that could give you a job or give you a gig and advance your career, you were ready because you were so skilled because you worked so hard at it. I mean, there, there are active things that, that you can do. And for some people it's going to come and for some people it's not, but there's also, there's all this sort of managing what you think is going to happen and what you really want to happen. And then when something happens, sort of managing that because some people may want to work regularly on a television show but not be famous and then they get 
this opportunity and they're working on a show regularly, but then they get hugely famous. So now mm-hmm. it's something bigger than what they wanted. And how do you manage that? How do you figure that out? Yeah. Um, but it's, uh, it's, it's all good stuff to figure out. There are, of course, uh, there is no one answer and there are so many opportunities <laughs> to, uh, seek some self care and some, some, uh, some self help in these sort of, these sort of areas. But, um, what are some sure. things that you're doing to keep yourself excited and enjoying, uh, your experience here in the city? Um, I've been I've been working really really hard to give myself one day off a week. Oh, very smart. <laughs> um, this is kind of a new thing. I've been maybe sixty percent successful. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think because along with my comedy career, being a freelancer is a little less um, traditional nine to five. Mm-hmm. You can let that t- lifestyle kind of bleed over into your evenings or your mornings or whatever that looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been trying really hard to give myself one solid day off where I can just read a book or, you know, go for a run or whatever. Yeah. Um, just trying to be mindful that I need to rest my brain. Mm-hmm. Your brain is a muscle and you can't constantly tax it. It'll give out. Yeah. Um, so definitely that. Um, I don't know. I wish I like was like, I meditate or I do yoga. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but those are good answers. But you know, and and also, it might be as simple as, well, I really like what I'm doing, yeah. <laughs> and it's not a, you know, I just had a mindset going in. That, I make time to find the moments. Right. For example, after Metal Boy, our Metal Boy shows on Wednesdays are shows, and we are required to perform, and we're required to, not required. It's a, it's an honor to do it, but. I mean, we're expected to show up and we're expected to give give the audience a good half hour of improv. Um, but by the same token, I in, really enjoy spending time with them and we love to hang out afterwards. Yeah. Um, so giving myself the opportunity and the space to be able to enjoy my friendships, even if they're very connected to my creative pursuits, I think is also an, an important thing. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. It is important to sort of count your blessings and then also when the stuff is going on that might be hectic uh, to enjoy it as much as you can while it's there. And and yeah. because it is there <laughs> and, um, mm-hmm. you know, you probably don't want to change that. I mean, it's even as simple as when I was in college and, you know, everyone had their class where they had to write an essay or something like that and they would get so mad oh i gotta write this essay and they would gripe about it for days and then they would have to rush to finish it and i said you know what why not just accept that you have to write it not spend all these days taking away opportunities moments that you could be happy (laughs) and um (laughs) but you filled it up with griping why don't you just do the do the assignment and then mm-hmm. it'll be done, and then you can just be happy that it's done. <laughs> you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's there. You have to do it. You signed up for it, literally, <laughs> and so <laughs> just enjoy it. And um, but you know, of course, totally reasonable to be annoyed at something not working right with these things that we love. You know, like uh, some some days we're just in a bad mood too. Mm-hmm. You know, and accepting that is fine. <laughs> yeah. I find that sometimes accepting where you are in the moment 
um, is, is much more helpful in terms of being in a position where you have to produce regardless of how you feel. (laughs) Um, yeah. I think that's something that's like probably differentiating my comedy life now as opposed to the way it was a year ago where it's like it doesn't really matter if I'm tired if I don't feel like it like I need to produce mm-hmm. um, in whatever forms and fashions I need to produce in um, and I think that's a skill too it's like being able to say okay I'm really tired today I don't feel very funny today mm-hmm. um, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to accept that that's how I feel and then do the best I can. Yeah. Yeah. Accepting those circumstances. There was a professor of mine in college who he was joking uh, with another professor of mine, but he was saying, you know, something about being out in the rain. And uh, he said, yeah, I just accept that it's raining and that I don't have an umbrella or any raincoat on. And I just, I accept that, and then I, I'm at peace with the fact that I'm getting rained on. And it, he yeah. was joking, but I thought that was actually really good advice. Well, it's like you're going to get rained on whether you're freaking out or not freaking out about it. So it's right. like you might as well just let it go. Yeah. You know, just like, what can I enjoy in this moment? Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, that's kind of an improv note, you know? That's kind of a, a good improv uh, note to get because people will say, well, just be present in the moment accept what's going on don't judge what your scene partner's doing it's happening so what can you do to just make it more fun and will hines i don't know if you've um ever read improv nonsense Um, it's a a good tumblr blog about improv and there's a post on it that's about what do we do about that guy oh no i have read that yeah yeah what do we do about that guy um, which is basically just like I have someone on my team who causes me a lot of strife. I don't like to play with them, but I'm in a position where I am playing with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the thing that I always think about is the advice that the advice is to go to him. Go to him. Don't resist it. Just go yeah. to it. If he wants to make your hands into dildos, just let it happen and, and find and find some joy in it. Yeah. Um, as opposed to hating it, which will make your experience. It's still going to happen. Your experience will will be poor. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you find a reason to love it mm-hmm. or be happy about it or whatever, um, you're in a better position. Yeah. You can't change the situation and you can't change that person, but you can mm-hmm. change how you respond to it. Absolutely. It's all about perspective and how you choose to respond to things because you do have choices, you know, mm-hmm. like you can choose to ignore the negative thoughts and let them go past your your mind your your conscious thought and just float on by and say i'm in this scene so what can i do to make it fun for everybody involved you know and and everyone else because when you don't do that when you don't accept it then uh it's not just about the touchy-feely like be nice to everybody and don't judge it's also you're not gonna have a good time but you're also gonna do a bad scene and you don't want to do a bad scene <laughs> you know, well, and you do a bad scene, they all go away, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> right. And if you do, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't matter, you're not gonna do uh, that scene again. <laughs> just for your personal enjoyment. Right. In that three minutes, it's like Yeah. Just be de- choose to be delighted. I think that that's the thing that I say a lot now as I'm coaching. It's like choose to be delighted, choose to be mischievous and be mm-hmm. delighted by other people's mischief yeah. on stage. I think that's where I feel the most fun and powerful as a performer is when I'm mm-hmm. feeling mischievous. Yes. 
And that's what Metal Boy is all about. Like I was saying in the beginning, that wildness is so mischievous. It's so fun um, mm-hmm. to watch because of that energy that you're bringing to it. And it's it's more fun for the improviser to do that. It's more fun for the audience to do that. It's more fun for your scene partners to do that. But also what I've noticed is that if I'm in a scene with somebody that I always judge and say, oh, gosh, they're no good, then I do bad work. And I don't want to do bad work. I want to get better at doing mm-hmm. improv and you're not going to get better when you're not choosing to have the fun that you can Yeah. Have. And I think that makes you the most like you got to just be like water when you're improvising. You have to be able mm-hmm. to flow into cracks and over bumps and be able to be malleable to whatever happens on stage because nobody knows what's going to happen. Nope. Um, I think like I nothing makes me laugh harder than when I'm I think I'm something and somebody labels me as something else completely. It's like, oh no, this was this. She's not a woman. She's a chicken that can talk. It's like that makes me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> um, Those are fun moments when you yeah. like, especially when it's just a blatant mistake that you've made. <laughs> you oh, know, yeah. and, and then like when you discover that moment when everyone realizes at the same time, or when they re- everyone else realizes that you realize finally that you made a mistake, then it's oh, like... Oh, yeah, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've come to the end here. Um, this is a really good time to uh, create something together. What I think would be fun to create would be, since we're talking about uh, how we can take some time for ourselves and, and get our head right and relax and turn our brain off a little bit... Um, Let's try to lay out a, a a schedule for the week on how somebody can do that. Like what, or at least give some tips. We don't have to go Sunday mm-hmm. through Saturday with it, but um, but what are some good tips that uh, people yeah, can take? Uh, now you already mentioned one, which is to sort of promise yourself a night off. Mm-hmm. Um, that's very hard to do in the city because. Oh. There's always something going on that you would love to do. Of course. <laughs> um, and I think everyone gets their energy in different ways. I happen to True. get my energy by, you know, cocooning. Mm. <laughs> um, but also, um, maybe, I'm also a big believer in taking an hour and not being on your phone or looking at a screen. I'm a no screens kind of gal. Oh, no, that is so good. I don't know. If it's just because of my age and the fact that I didn't grow up on screens, but, um, well, until the 90s, but, you know, a digital cleanse is such a useful thing to do. Nothing. I went away to Guatemala in December and it was a week of no TV, no computer, no phone. I turned my phone off. It felt incredible. You get that weird panic for the first maybe 15 minutes. (laughs) Um, but once you can kind of get through that it's Mm -hmm. great i couldn't recommend it more highly oh yeah yeah i started doing it a few years ago because um john mayer was talking about doing a digital cleanse for like two (laughs) weeks or so and he said like if somebody text message you messages you call them back get off social media um try to email less you know or don't email and and uh, so I was like, you know, I'm going to try this. And I felt great. I think I, I took like a a trip to a, a little town I'd never been to that was in the mountains. And um, 
it was super nice. It was just fun. You just one of the joys I've had in the last several years was forgetting my phone at home and right going now. yeah, just going I was on my way to a restaurant and I said, "Oh, I forgot my phone. I'll just do it old school." And just you you take in things around you more and you feel a little more grounded in a part of the world when you're not sticking your head in your phone to see what else is on Twitter or Oh yeah. <laughs> um yeah. it's it's so good to shut off all of that. Um, okay, so other little things. Oh, I like to make sure I'm moving for an hour a day. I have a very mm -hmm. sedentary job where I type a lot on the computer. Mm -hmm. And that could be working out or just moving, just walking around mm -hmm. the block, doing whatever. Good, good. Going to the park if you're in a place like here. We got so many great parks. So many great parks. Yeah, there's museums. That, yeah, that's um, mm. Drink more water, oh, which I yeah. don't do enough of. I really don't, but I'm trying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm struggling at that as well. But yeah. I mean there's self care involves being healthy. It's not just uh, sometimes people say like, Oh, I'm gonna I wanna eat a pint of Ben and Jerry's for self care. Like, mm -hmm. well that's just comfort a comfort moment and maybe you need that occasionally as a moment of self care, but genuinely <laughs> um being healthier is truly self-care because it's going to keep you around longer. And, uh, you know, it's just like good blood flow or whatever. You know? <laughs> just I mean, I'm different. all about eating a bunch uh, of ice cream. <laughs> oh, so am I. I'm all about a dough donut or two or three. Okay. okay <laughs> I've never had two or three in one sitting. But every time I have one dough donut, mm -hmm. I want two more. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that um, makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, like there are things like there's so many things that I'm hearing about now. There's there is going to the spa. Um, there is sitting in your apartment with like music on that's really quiet and or like and candles, soothing. candles yeah. and a, a diffuser, um, mm -hmm. <laughs> setting the mood and maybe curling up with a book or, or just laying down and being present in the fact that you're laying down and breathing but not going to sleep and just trying to like just relax for a little bit i mean these are these are some good uh ideas i think and things that i'm i'm hearing about yeah i think most important i think the most important thing is to just define to yourself what what that means to you what does self-care mean to you mm -hmm. and and just like try to get a little bit of it i don't know it's mm -hmm. hard to live in this city and it's and you know doing something like comedy can really wear you down mm-hmm um, and you're putting yourself in the best position to do the the best type of work if you're taking care of yourself. Yeah, you're that you're the vessel, like your brain and your words and your thoughts are what's driving this train. So yeah, you know, I think one thing that you mentioned, you know, about how uh, stressful it can be and, and how hard it is to live in the city. Um, but there's something about New York, even with the hustle and bustle nature of it, of it and the grind and the, the disappointments mm -hmm. and the competition and, uh, and all of that, all the noise and all the different people yelling in the streets, you know, whatever, <laughs> all the honking. There's so many things that can really bring you down, but there's something about New York City that feels like previous times in your life when things were hectic. 
and then years later you look back on them like the good old days mm-hmm. you know like i like during junior high i hated junior high but when <laughs> i thought back about junior high i thought I just remember laughing all the time and being around these guys and gals that I really liked. And they were fun. Like, they were just such fun, easygoing time period. I hated it at the time. But at some yeah. point, I got to like, oh, those are good old days. Or the hectic days of college. Mm-hmm. Uh, I look back it's like, oh, those are, the, those are some good days. So maybe one good note is remembering that right now is the good old days. Just enjoying it right, enjoying, enjoying it as the good old days now. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, thank yeah. you. And uh, do you have any <laughs> uh, parting words of advice for uh, trying to calm the mind or anything? Uh, I think the best thing to say is that no one knows what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> Literally no one. <laughs> yep, everyone prepared for a life that they're not leading. <laughs> And if you're listening to this, you're doing great. <laughs> yep. Well, there it is. Yeah. Thanks so much, Chrissy. You're awesome. Thanks for having me. Back at you. Wow. Oh, oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed that chat, and I hope you did too. And I hope you learned from her nuggets of wisdom. If you want to know more about her, you can go to ChrissyGrubel.com. Of course, link in bio. And if you want to see her perform, she will be doing Spill the Tea with the Mannequin Room at UCB East on March 30th at 9 p.m. She also performs at Magnet most every Friday on the Friday Night Show and with Metal Boy every Wednesday. The Wednesday teams are on different hours every week. So go to MagnetTheater.com to see which one Metal Boy will be on to night they're on at seven if you want to know more about the podcast of course you can go to there and you can also donate to the podcast you can find old episodes in the blog and you can go to itunes and soundcloud and check us out that's where you can hear us well folks that's today's episode of fun one coming up next week until next time be good to each other The music for the theme song was created by Neil Brooks. The rap was written and performed by Nick Acevedo. The logo for There It Is was created by Jeff Prater. The There It Is podcast is produced by Jason Farr.